Unto Spider, Episode 4, Black Sabbath. Bat and Spider, Episode 4, Chuck, Quarantine Week. I don't know. Tonight, I went for a run. Whoa, big news. To try to, uh, yeah, just try to, you know, I don't know, get some time to myself since, you know, we're in sort of this incubationary how big brother type house where just the family's just together all the time just a like a it's a it's an experiment it's a (laughs) familiar experiment right it's just the five of us and i'm coach lubbock and we (laughs) are just in it to win it even when i have to uh you know i made a run to the dump last week Mm. to just get rid of some big boxes and stuff if i go pick up some food my wife wants to just take come with me because she, rightfully so, wants to get out of the house too. But goddamn, if I just, I need just a couple minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm right there with you, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you gotta, you gotta treasure that, that time. So now my throat, yeah. I'm like coughing now. Mm-hmm. I probably, I probably breathe in some aerosol from some sort of sinus air. You should, if you if you get into a weekly run, you should spell out the name of uh, whatever movie we're doing that week. <laughs> Your neighbors uh, look out the window at you, like, running in weird shapes down the street. Yeah. Honey. But, you know, I'll have, like, my, I'll have my Batten Spider, like, athletic runner's t-shirt on. Oh, my God. Yeah. You know? uh, I'm sure you could get some, like, bat wings from Hot Topic that you could wear flopping behind you. I would get like the one in 100th person in the neighborhood that would be like understanding and not judge. They'd just be like, you know yeah. what? He's doing him. Hey, you know what? It's qu- quarantine life, baby. It's quarantine life. My son's chair, because I don't have a chair, an office chair, since I'm working from mm-hmm. home and I never leave the house, mm-hmm. I'm using my seven-year-old son's desk chair that his grandmother gave to him. And I I completely broke it, so now the uh, hydraulic doesn't. Oh uh, no! It doesn't go up and down. It just stays down. Just as of five minutes ago, it's it doesn't stay up anymore. So now I look like a little boy sitting on the desk talking to you, Chuck. That's that's why. <laughs> we have so uh, we ate dinner last night outside for the first time, um, in this new in this house and. We we bought the house and it came with like a picnic table and we were like, oh, this is great. But we both sat at the picnic table and realized it's it's strangely built because the like the tabletop when you sit down is like <laughs> almost at our necks. <laughs> it's like, who was this for? Right. This super, super long torso family. But I'm excited to talk about Black Sabbath by Mario Baba. Are you excited? 1963. It's an old one. This is, Chuck, this is hardcore. This is the movie that inspired Black Sabbath to take their name. They, the legend is that they were, before they were Black Sabbath, they had a practice space. And across the street or something was a theater. And the theater was running Black Sabbath. And I guess the band went to go see it. They came back. And they wrote the song Black Sabbath. 
which uh, kicked off their the sound that they're famous for, spooky heavy metal. Um, so without this movie, we wouldn't have one of the greatest bands in the world. I love that band. Yeah. So to experience this, you know, the thing that kind of like spurred them on, right? Feel felt magical. Yeah. It's 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 just remarkable to think that we just watched the same movie that those guys while making magic in a garage or a recording studio, whatever, they went in to see that and changed their name from Earth to Black mm-hmm. Sabbath because of this amazing movie. And what's weird is like this movie was made it came out in sixty three, but that I mean that time it must have been like sixty nine when they saw it. So like I mean this is obviously before video, so I love the idea that you know back then, you know, you could only go to the theater to watch a movie and they would just like run whatever, like a, a, a six-year-old movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> An Italian horror movie. Like, that's weird. Yeah. Can you even imagine a time where there might have been, you know, it, maybe it was a two-theater, two-screen theater and they ran yeah. like one movie for a year and a half or something like that? I mean- I know. <laughs> it's an amazing time in cinema yeah. that won't, you know- you really won't get back unless you get some sort of like m- nah. little mom and pop type shop, but still not to that degree. Yeah. I mean, just the, yeah. the, the, the treasured experience of seeing something and maybe for one or two or two days, somebody never went into that theater to see that movie, but then yeah, for a year and a half, it kept people coming <laughs> back, you know, it's, it's an amazing concept yeah. to think about. This is a, a horror anthology, three stories. The, the stories are the telephone, the Verdelec, and then the drop of water. I guess early in the production, you know, they, they had Boris on ready for one of the stories, but then they were like, hey, we could sandwich this with, uh, with Boris talking to the camera and being him, his goofy self. Uh, and I guess he was hosting his own horror show in the States at the same time. So he, you know, maybe there was a little bit of like, uh, hey, you know, I yeah. can do this. <laughs> Meanwhile, where's that horror show at now? And how can we see it? God, you know? I know. That's, I'm going to get, I'm going to get on the horn and figure that out uh, when we're done recording. Cause I want to see that. I mean, it must've been big. Cause he had, he even had a comic book called Boris Karloff's like haunted castle or something like that. And I, I always grab them out of the bins when I'm diving. Oh, I think they were Dell. I think they were like, uh, what's that company West something, but, um, but yeah, and those have great covers. The insides usually aren't that great, but the covers are always all painted and somehow have like Boris's face on them. Um, <laughs> Black Sabbath starts out with a good old Boris. Come closer, please. I've something to tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, how do you do? This is Black Sabbath. This picture is, it's like a co-production. It's a, it's a, an American Italian co-production. So there's like two versions of this. Uh, we watched the Italian version, which was uh, subtitled, but there's, um, Another cut that's the American International Pictures version, which is dubbed in English, and there's a few differences, but I don't think they're very major. So yeah, um, we had a little trouble finding this movie to watch for some reason. But um, then we ended up watching the version you could find on Mubi, M U B I, and uh, boy, folks, if it's worth the watch, it's worth the trouble, but. Movie, I know you you guys are working hard at improving your user experience, but if you want to just 
<clears throat> call this experience the f- the rapper the fourth vignette of this movie because it's it's a horror show trying to uh rent I- <laughs> this movie and having to watch it in your browser with no fast forward or rewind buttons just to play and pause and and the the browser kept crashing on me so you'd have to just high speed scrub to the area you thought you were kind of watching before and there was you're merciless at that point I was sweating bullets trying to find this movie just to watch. Because I, I rented it somewhere else and it, I was like, oh, here it is. This is easy. Uh-huh. And it was, uh, starts off, I was like, hey, this is in Italian. That's cool. And I went to turn on subtitles and there's no option. To <laughs> um, and then uh, all, I see all the, the, the reviews of people, random people on Google yelling, don't rent this because <laughs> you won't understand it. Story one is titled The Telephone and it is about uh, Rosie a French call girl who is just coming back from her day and she returns to her basement apartment and her phone is immediately ringing. And Mm -hmm. she picks it up. At first, uh, nobody's there. And then... A gentleman is on the phone who turns out to be her former pimp who is just released back out of prison. You find out that uh, Rosie is the one that put Frank in prison and Frank starts threatening big time. I mean, it, it was chilling. He was obviously like looking in the apartment. He saw Rosie change out of her clothes. He saw Rosie make something to eat, pour some tea and, uh, quite certainly threaten her with death <laughs> did you know that she was a call girl a lady of the night because i had no idea until after till i like read the wikipedia i wonder if 63 sensibilities would have told a different story you know i'll preface this as saying this is was my least favorite of the stories i i did get a little bored by this one i think because i was i was ready and hyped for monsters and ghouls and this yeah you know was just like a. <laughs> it was just a it w- Boy, this phone sure is ringing a lot. It, yeah, it really was just a uh, like a Jalo style yeah. uh, murder mystery. I mean, it was a little chilling, and um, yeah. but that's really and it was like a stage play. Yeah, it, yeah, too, it really was. It was just the just the apartment. Yeah, in some weird twist, it's not Frank that's placing the phone calls, even though there is a, a news article that Frank has been let out of prison. It is. Mm-hmm. Her former associate slash friend, Mary, who is calling to threaten her as Frank, just so Rosie would call upon her and sort of rekindle that friendship that Rosie lost touch. And Mary was so angry that she just wraps a towel around a phone and sounds magically like Frank. (laughs) I loved that detail. I didn't think we'd see. I, I was I, like, wow, that is pretty bold-faced what we're seeing now. I mean, that is... So now yeah. we know who the culprit is. I'm going to put it... I wish I had a towel. I'd put it over the microphone right now. So we can try this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, live on the uh, on the thing. I have a washcloth, but, you know, it's... 
just because I'm folding laundry <laughs> before I start recording a podcast. <laughs> Her plan works. She manipulates Rosie into calling Mary um, and saying, you know, instead of calling the police, which I might have done, but maybe that now knowing that she's a call girl, that kind of makes sense why she maybe didn't call the police. Mm-hmm. Um, so she calls a friend Mary and Mary's like, you know, playing the part of, you know, the friend trying to calm her down saying, ah, blah, blah, blah. He, he doesn't know what you're wearing. He's, a, you know, he could guess all that stuff. Um, but she's freaked out, understandably. Uh, and so she comes over um, and helps her out. And, and it's just like reveling in <laughs> the terror that she has oh, caused in man. her friend. She is, it's almost like on a sexual level, how much... Yeah, she is just into Rosie being completely terrified for her life. She gets, she gets an okay. Oh yeah, so she comes over and she decides, all right, I'll stay the night. Get me a nightie that I can wear. And she goes to the kitchen, opens a drawer, and gets a knife out and walks back into the bedroom. And Rosie's like, uh, "What the f?" Yeah, and you know, it's it's there's a nice pause there, and then she goes, "Oh, you know, just in case," and she slips it under her <laughs> pillow. Right. So she would be have protection. What's that for? You never know. It's so it's so funny that up until this point you have you just don't know what's gonna happen. You just assume Mary yeah. is going to just ravage and dig in and just kill the shit out of Rosie. But yeah. you still yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. what's gonna happen. Just Mary's playing the long game of torturing her friend. Mm-hmm. air quotes friend and then she does the same thing she makes makes her friend rosie a cup of tea and then she she puts in two like little pills and you know rosie's like what's that uh poison <laughs> yeah and <laughs> friend air quotes <laughs> yeah friend. i'm poisoning you just kidding it's tranquilizer right she's like she, do you hear yourself going on right now you need this cut to it's been some time in the apartment mary is writing this confessional to Rosie who is sleeping on her bed now and Mary is just mm. she's confessing to everything which is very peculiar because was Mary planning on leaving the apartment before Rosie woke up yeah maybe she was planning on just leaving because she was like you know it was me fucking around there's you know she's nothing's gonna happen to her um so I'll just write this note can I just say I was obsessed with the handwriting on that note too? oh man I mean it was in Italian I couldn't read it but man beautiful uh blue ink they probably went around the whole set and got handwriting samples to see who has the best (laughs) handwriting and that detail was not lost on me bava but we kind of forgot about those peering eyes right so i i certainly forgot and who comes into the apartment with rosie sleeping and mary writing a note good old frank frank the pimp that you didn't know was a pimp up until this point yeah he's a pimp apparently and boy he picks up a stocking off a chair yeah and uh and it's pretty obvious what's going to happen. He 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 grasps grasps ps, ps, the the stocking from on both ends, sneaks up behind Mary, who he thinks is Rosie, strangles her to death. Right. <laughs> and he but he was annoyed at Mary for being in the wrong place. He was just like, "You're always uh, just like you. You're always in the wrong place, sticking your nose where it doesn't belong." <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. He up until the end, he hated Mary. Poor Mary. She's just trying to manipulate her friend into being her best friend again. Yeah. What, what's, what's the harm? There's no, <laughs> nobody needs to die over that. So, so good old Frank, he's going to try it again. And he, he goes over to the bed and I guess the tranquilizers weren't too 
to uh, Strong because uh, Rosie got out her pillow knife and gave him a good sticking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Guts Frank. And that was the end of the telephone. That's the end of the telephone. Oh, it's a great, great story. Yeah. I mean, it's great because it was 20 minutes long. It was uh, the antipasta. This is a meal. A little salumi, a little provolone. So then on to the Verdelec, which in my opinion is the star of the show, our entree. Big hunk of meat, starring Boris Karloff and Mark Damon. The Vertilic brings us to 19th century Russia, which I didn't know until reading afterwards. I wasn't sure exactly where this was taking place. I, I kind of guessed it was Russia, but I wasn't right. sure. We we see like young noblemen like traveling through the country. He comes upon a body, which I thought like as soon as this when he discovered this body. <laughs> And the way Baba has the reveal of what happened to the body, I fell in love. I was like, yep. Okay. I'm in. Because he, what he does is, I guess he pulls a knife out of the the, the uh, body's back that he found. He goes to lift up to like see the man's face. Mm-hmm. And just at the, the bottom of the frame, you see uh, the, the neck stub <laughs> in the shot. And then it quickly drops. And I was like, yes. Yeah. No head. At that point, I mean, it's just, you know, you're in for some quality, like a lot more than the first one. So there was immediately like renewed verver. So he takes, uh, he takes that knife and he uh, walks to a nearby. It wasn't that far away. It, he just walks into this house. He's like poking around the kitchen and then he sees like a collection of swords and knives on the wall and there's a shadow where the knife seems to match that he just picked uh, off that body. So that's like our first clue that this is somehow related to this area, to the to the this cottage. Um, and then he's introduced to uh, basically like a whole family, right? And uh, yeah, and you know, they're like, cool, whatever. First, they're a little taken aback by the stranger in their house, but they're like, all right, you can stay, but you have to leave by midnight. And he's like, why do I, why do I have to leave by midnight? What are you talking about? <laughs> that's, that's a weird thing I know, to say. and it immediately builds this sort of tension because the family sort of trades looks with each other. Like, why would anybody yes. have to leave by midnight? But then it it then it comes out that they're they're kind of waiting on old dad, old Gorko. Gorko left five days ago to kill a Vertilic, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And he he warns his family. Is he says, if I'm not back in five days, but I come back after the five days, do not let me in the house. Yeah. Because he's basically telling his family. He's turned as well. According to uh, old texts, the Verdelac is essentially a vampire, but craves and hungers the blood of the people in his life, the people he loves. Yeah, that's that's the cool thing. I mean, I guess that, that does carry on into later vampire stories, but but I loved that that was like... And there's no... Oh, there's no fangs either, so... Um, that might throw people off who are used to uh, regular old vampires. Um, but yeah, I love that that he that when you're a Vertilic, you have you go after the the ones you love the most. Yeah. That's, that's the blood. Yeah, you want. yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, and it, as we will find out, that's the blood he the Vertilac wants. Spoilers: Midnight is the end of the fifth day. I mean, they're not giving this man a a night. The fifth no. night, it's five days times twenty four hours. That's that's when he's allowed to come back and. 
I love how yeah. it plays out because the story beats just start happening at 12.01. At 12.01, dad comes home. <laughs> 12.01. Not a day later, yes. not the next morning. What do, what do they hear? Do they hear... They hear... Do they hear, is he singing or something? No, they hear his the hound like howling. Oh, that's right. This the hound, unsettling yes. hound sound. You know, this unsettling yowl. And they cut to a, this lonely looking bridge. And we see it just a, a silhouette of a lumbering yeah. figure coming to, coming over this little bridge in the dark. Can I just say I don't know when to bring this up, so I'm bringing it up now. Just the lighting in this movie is really incredible. So I don't know, you know, if this is to Bava's credit or the cinematographer, but you know, this is this was shot in the '60s, so you know, shooting in low light is not really a viable option. So they had to have well lit sets. But the way they get a creepy feeling by using color, yeah, um, to like signal darkness and unrest and and that things are off is really great. Just like, you know, I, I, I don't know if they were like blue and orange gels on the lights or if it was, you know, lenses they were using. Um, but man, it, every, every shot, every exterior and interior shot was mm. so um, thought mm-hmm. out and just the atmosphere was thick. Yeah. It was so thick. <laughs> there was so much ambition to this set as compared to the mm-hmm. book-ending vignettes, the two other movies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just like this, the set that they used was just this huge warehouse where they gave, where yeah. they gave it room to breathe and they gave it life and they put this uh, old homestead in the middle of a forest and it's all indoors with dead trees all around and a- another set close by that's like the old convent and... and yeah, so so daddy comes home, Gorka, and this is our man, our man on the street. This is Boris Karloff, a number one, Frankenstein's monster himself, and boy, and boy, he brings the man. Goods. He brings the game. I mean, he is just <laughs> he is just slipping into character as he's been for the past uh, 40, 50 years. Like he's doing it. Yes, he lumbers up there. I love I love the way he walks up to like. And his family come out to see him. Um, and he like kind of like, he's like walking unsteadily. It's obviously that something's not mm-hmm. quite right. And like he, and he's got this amazing robe on. You can't see his face, but he's, and it's got like these black feathers on the, uh, the hood. It's, it's really cool. <laughs> and he like, I think he like leans up against a post. And yeah. He, he almost like he needs, he needs to like, uh, like rest himself on the post because he can't mm-hmm. stand up straight any longer. And then he like, you know, his face yeah. turns around or the the hood comes down. Yeah. And it's great. It's not even like, I don't think they'd put any like extra makeup on him, but I mean, like latex or anything or rubber, like they just made him look kind of pale and yeah, a little bit grosser. Yeah. But, oh, but man, he looked ragged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he did. It was a great effect. Um, and he had this wild mane of hair. Why don't you move to meet me? I'm wounded. Why don't you say something? (laughs) 
Five days spent in the mountains. Changed me so much. Even my own dog doesn't know me. Did you hear? He admits that five days are past. Show me your wound. I'll bind it up. Go away. You hurt me. Then you have been wounded in the heart? And uh, and he's immediately annoyed at his family because they're not embracing him. <laughs> as soon as he arrives on scene, you're just not quite sure. He just keeps you guessing. I mean, he's in in his yeah. own Verdelac way. He's not he's not the typical vampire and their way of manipulation. It's just by yeah. he's making his family question their decisions. I mean, Dad is home. Why wouldn't? Why aren't you embracing me and letting me in the house? And this is the aspect that really, like, I I loved about this the 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 sort of the point of contention in this story because you know all these people believe in the Vertilek. They believe that you know there's Vertileks out there killing people, eat drinking blood. It's real. And they think their dad is probably a Vertilek. But they let, you know, they just let him come into the house and everything because it's dad. They feel so guilty. Nobody wants to be the one (laughs) to go against dad. (laughs) It's dad. What kind of piece of crap are you to, to, that's your own father sitting there and he's, he's resting himself on a post and he has a wound in his, he has a stab wound in his heart, by the way. Yeah, in his freaking heart. <laughs> and he could probably use a chair yeah. and not have to lean on a post outside of his own goddamn house. They accept their fate as yeah. soon as they let him in the house because they know deep down he's a Vertilac. Yeah. They also know he's their dad. I love it. I love that tension. Ugh. Dad basically guilted them, commanded them to let him back in the house. All right, all right, so we're all dead now. Like, that's basically what it is. So then just, and then it, you know, they come in and dad's sitting by the fire warming his bones. And this whole time until now, this this hound dog is just truly like the sounds, the Halloween sound CD you bought from Spencer's uh, for your Halloween party back in the day. That's the hound dog. And he is just like, take this. Just he t- commands one of his son to take this and go kill that dog. Because it won't shut up, and yeah. and he and the son's like, "That's your favorite. It's been your favorite. It's your favorite dog." So his son, he get, he shoves a rifle in his hands and sends him out the door <laughs> to kill his favorite dog. Um, and then, oh, and then the worst part is he uh, he wants the company of his young grandson. He insists that uh, this little boy come hang out with Grandpa Munster on his lap by the fire. And he's he's kissing the boy and just you know hugging him and and everyone is just watching. Oh God, they're they are horrified because they just know <laughs> they know is dad is is dad gonna bite into his own grandson's neck? Yeah, it's like this game of it, chance that they yeah, but they can't stop. They can't say no. He's their father. Yeah. Because he hasn't done anything right. yet. He's just being cagey. Aside from having a wound in his heart. He's just being grumpy old dad. Exactly. <laughs> I guess we forgot to talk about the visitor falls in love with um, sister. Um, and boy, he falls in love like like that. Yeah, so then I guess everyone kind of goes to bed, right? They start turning down. They're like, all right, I guess they're going to sleep with this monster in the house. 
And so at this point, this is like one of the coolest scenes. Um, Gorka, Daddy Munster, comes into Vlad's room, and is I don't know, what, I don't even know what they say, but you know they're just talking, whatever. Oh, I think he's just asking him why he's here, and you know why he's staying in his house and stuff. And Vlad turns away, and then he looks back. Gork is gone, <laughs> and it works really well. And then it the camera pans over to the window, and uh, Grandpa Munster's outside looking yeah. in, and it's so creepy it it (laughs) is so so gross good yeah how he is just i mean it's so it feels so foreign and alien because it's his house and he's the one gazing in from the outside yeah there's just so something something unsettling about that oh yeah yeah and it's and in it there is that weird thing where it's like it's his house like he can walk around and look in the windows if he wants to yeah vladimir gets uh, up and i think is he the one that discovers pierre in the kitchen is that how this all starts no he's locked in his room so first Mm. grandpa monster sneaks back into the house steals even from his sleep just picks him up oh yeah even's like where where are you taking me he's like Oh, it's a surprise. Just oh you know, come with shit. Me. You know what? You know why I don't know this part? Movie.com. <laughs> Did you miss a miss a miss a pot? Yeah, my a my high speed finger scrubbing <laughs> must have just skipped right over this part. <laughs> so he takes a little Eve in the outside. Oh no, 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 no. This is it. Pierre looks it cuts back to him, uh, and he's looking out the window and he sees he sees grandpa running away with oh, yeah. Eve in his arms. Right. And then he starts yelling and he tries to leave his bedroom, but it's locked. Um, so obviously grandpa locked him in there. Uh, and this wakes up Evan's parents. They come running down and, and they discover Pierre, who slumped over, is dead, right? <laughs> yeah. He's with a, with a nasty neck wound. So at this point, all right, he's Vertilic. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. There's no going back. They let out Pierre and then uh, I guess dad goes and gets on a horse to go after them to try and save his son. And it's really awful, like, watching him race through the forest and stuff. We see him jump off his horse to walk through some, I guess, like a thickly wooded area. And then at some point, he, he comes back with his, his dead son in his arms. And it's it's really awful. <laughs> like, I was like, really it, like, Man, it so is. It is cruel to have this six-year-old yeah. child in this movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. Like, there's no other way to put it. It is wrong. His yelping, like when he's getting carried away, he's like yelping, mommy, mommy. And then on the Uh, reverse side of that, which we'll get to, but I mean, this is part of the night. Oh man, it's just like, uh, so dad brings him back and lays him in the, in the, uh, in the house. And, you know, they're kind of like dressing him. Yeah. Or like a creepy like cloth over his eyes. Yeah, yeah. They're prepping him for death, for burial. Yeah. Um and I mean what they establish early in the film, they gotta stab him through the heart or else he's gonna Oh yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, that's right. And his so his father, right? Like Yvonne's father is going to insist that, but his wife is like, That's our son, you know, you're not gonna stab him through the heart. Run me through instead! It must be done for his soul's peace. 
I did it for Peter, too. No, not to him. If you do it, I will kill myself. That settled it. I guess they decided not to do it. <laughs> so at this point, the, sh- the S has really hit the, the F. And I think, I think this is the time when uh, Vlad and Stinka decide to make haste and skedaddle and make a new life in Jersey. Come with me, my love. Come with me, Stinka. Spilled water everywhere. You okay? Do you need to get a towel? I got this, luckily I have this washcloth that I've been holding laundry. <laughs> Idiot. Idiot F. So yeah, they, they uh, steal away um, as this family's in shambles. <laughs> he convinces Stinka to abandon her family and uh, start a new life. Yeah, just like that. Yeah. So they head out. Probably for the best. They travel a little bit, I guess not very far, um, before they stop at a an old, it looks like an abandoned cathedral, they call it. Um, or no, mon- is it a cathedral or monastery? Yeah, monastery, convent. No, convent, convent, convent. Um, and boy, let's talk about the set of this convent. What do you think the budget, how many lira did they spend on uh, cobwebs? Oh man, right? <laughs> they were everywhere. The quality. And they looked Quality great. cobwebs. They looked great. Yeah. Like we're talking... Indiana Jones and Last Crusade cobwebs. Yeah. Part of me was like, this is a real place. Like, this is, oh these are actual spider cobwebs. Yeah, it was And it's beautiful. all, it's just this like abandoned stone building, all these arches. It's amazing. Like, it looks like Roman ruins or something, yeah. you know. So they, while they steal away and try to sleep the night <clears throat> away, mm-hmm. cut back to the household and... um Ivan, you hear little Ivan's voice. He's already been buried. Oh, and you God. hear his voice calling for mommy and daddy. Oh, and they look down from the second floor window. Wrenching. They look down from the second floor window, like a la Salem's lot. Yeah. It's hard to do this. Like it's hard for me to like to like pull out emotion like that out of me. Like in especially in a you know, it was like what, thirty five minutes maybe this section yeah. of the movie? Yeah. forty minutes. Man, you you know, little Yvon just like, Mommy, I'm cold, I'm cold. <laughs> and her mom his mom is just losing it. Like yeah. and and dad's trying to stop her because he knows. He knows what's going he on. He knows. He definitely knows. <sighs> But what's she gonna do? Kill herself? Um, like she's threatened. She just threatened to kill herself. It, yeah. He's he's just he's just handed over the life of the entire family. He, there's no yeah. there's no talking her out of it. You know she is definitely no. she will definitely Mm-mm. kill herself if she just doesn't. Yes. So either you know he probably should have just let her kill herself so she would become a Vertilac anyway. But it, yeah. it, you know you can't you, you you got that. What are you gonna do? Yeah. You the emotion. It's you can't fight that emotion. Can't find it. So, um, so she does the next best thing to in that situation and stabs her husband, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so that she can go down and save her cold son <laughs> right. who wants to come inside. Uh, and another this ju- this jumps to another amazing reveal. We see a shot of little little Yvonne, you know, 
I think he's on his knees at the door screaming and she runs down and opens it, but it's Gorka, Grandpa Monster, when she opens the door. <laughs> and then I guess they, we, we cut back to the, to the young lovers at the convent and Stenka wakes up. Is she awoken by something or does she just, she just gets up? She definitely felt the presence. That's what. Yeah, I think they were, they were um, hinting at a vampiric luring, you know, as vampire, vampires do. I guess the word elects are similar in that way. Uh, so she she goes outside while uh, Vlad's still sleeping, and she's in this amazing shot has come upon by Grandpa and her brother and sister, who are all vampire or vertilex now. Yeah, she goes with them. So stupid, yeah, stupid young Vlad. He's still still in love, still in love. Figures, hey, I guess I'll go back to that horrible house where <laughs> things went real bad. <laughs> right. Let me go check there. Maybe she went back, and she did. She was there. He he comes into the house. She seems, she's seemingly alone and I think in a bed or whatever. Yeah. Uh, her hair is cleverly covering her neck. <laughs> he knows what's going to happen, right? And he's just like, you know what? I'm so in love. Well, I guess he says it. He says that he'd rather die than to not be with her. So. Yeah. It's a two hour uh, think, love I affair. I think he knew it was coming. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Literally two, three hours tops. How about the shots, the shots in that scene with like the dilated pupils and the working of her eyes and stuff like that. They really put some time into like manipulating the contacts and stuff like that. And I think there was even like a dilation on cue in his eyes as she was staring into him. Like his eye pupils got real tiny. Yeah. And he, you know, he just, he just succumbs to her embrace. Uh, He's like, you know what? I love this Vertilac. Yeah. I'm going to join the club. Vertilac and me. Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. Vertilac and me. Like I'm, I'm in for the long haul, and that's how it ends. No one, no one survives, unless you count the Vertilex uh, winning. Is you know, mm-hmm. now what hap- uh, What I want to know is what happens when they eat, when they like turn all their loved ones. Do they um, do yeah. Vertilex? Does that give them free reign to just uh, you know start mowing down acquaintances? <laughs> right. Does it like go out Friends. from there like the <laughs> concentric circles? Yeah. Maybe they go to their best friends <laughs> and like distant cousins. I, I can't help but wonder if the fact that they weren't like overtly called vampires that maybe while we were watching it, because they were, it was this weird word I'd never heard before, Vertilek, mm-hmm. that I was like, kind of like, it's like, oh, this is going to be something new. Like I wasn't expecting exactly. Yeah. You know. Right. Maybe it was going to be a, your usual vampire. Yes, type. exactly. Yeah. It was going to be, it was going to be something else altogether. But it was great. Love it. It was fantastic. So. You've declared that as your favorite. I'm going to go ahead and say yeah. the third one, the drop of water, was my favorite, Chuck. Really interesting. So we get this this nurse, this Italian nurse, who gets a call late at night, and uh, somebody is pleading with her. They got to come over right away. Um, they know it's late, and she is just like spitting venom. This nurse, she's pissed off that you know she's got to leave the house. Why can't she go early in the morning? I was really struck with the opening of this because it, this nurse, you, we see her in, you know, she lives alone in this, I don't know, an apartment. This is in the 1910s. I guess it takes place in London, which I didn't realize. Um, uh, so, wherever she lives, it yeah. look, it, her apartment looked like the set of Dark Shadows. I mean, there was dust <laughs> <Yes>. everywhere. <laughs> there was nothing clean yeah. in there, but not in a, a pigsty kind of way in like this this domicile hasn't been lived in in 40 years and but she lives yeah. in it every like, day 
you know, but it was recognizable as like a working woman's apartment. Yeah. You know, it's kind of messy. She probably works all day. Yeah. You know, she comes home, she's too tired to cook and clean. And it's just like, you know, she's eating biscuits and right. drinking wine. Within like two minutes, you like really know this woman. I thought it was really mm -hmm. cool, you know, to see her in her like relaxed state in her apartment and then getting a call from a frantic lady. Yeah. Like she's got to turn it like she just got home. You know what I mean? She's just ready to relax. Yeah. But there's this little bit of sleaze to her other than the fact that she, mm -hmm. she steals this dead person's ring. There's this little bit of sleaze to her when when she get there, like she she's always firing off these like one liner comments. Like she's, like, she's probably like she's like I'm not even going to get paid for this. Like just the amount of pissed off venom that she's just letting out of her mouth is just like she's she's doing it. But this is the last time you're you know lucky this woman's dead because she's kind of had her fill. That's the really cool thing because they don't say what the big emergency is like. You know, this woman's convincing her to come do that because you only hear the one side of the, you only hear her side of the conversation. She never says what mm -hmm. the problem is, why she needs to leave the house. You know, it's like midnight or whatever and go help someone with something. Uh, and then, you know, and so we see her go to this, we don't see the outside, but it seems like a big house, like, but it's in shambles and it's filled with cats. <laughs> <laughs> it totally is. Yeah. Another great set um, piece. This this huge yeah. mansion i mean it was a real it seemed real like a real mansion i don't know and we're greeted by this worried maid who is the one who called her we, we find out what the problem is yeah well holy shit and what was the problem someone needed a change of clothes that's the problem <laughs> <laughs> so you find out that uh this woman died and the most startling some of the most startling i've ever seen to make this woman like look like she died scared to death or something i mean yeah it is just Oh, yeah. Cutting to the bone, chilling, you know? A tormented face, eyes wide, yeah. teeth out. Like, but it works. It's, it, I think because you're not, you're not expecting it. You have no idea yeah. that it's even a dead person. The nurse isn't too surprised by the fact that she died. The nurse is confident that it was probably a heart attack. And uh, so it's this nurse's job to kind of help prep the body. Get her dressed in her Sunday best. While the maid is fetching some clothes, the nurse spots this gorgeously gemmed ring on this finger. And uh, she glances around, you know, she's like, uh, you know, basically tr <laughs> now plotting and scheming on how she's going to get that ring off her finger. The maid reveals that, you know, she's been dabbling in some ghosts and the supernatural. She hasn't left the house in years. It's going to be hard to find yeah. her pair of shoes because she never leaves. And she's been basically talking to the dead for the past, you know, however long. She hasn't had any human contact. Yeah. This, was her, this was her wheelhouse. Like, she... It's her it's hobby. It's her hobby. It's a se seance every Friday night or whatever. And the nurse did not know anything about this. She just thought she had a heart yeah. attack from her, you know, and the nurse has been keeping her alive by the camphor she's been slipping it her daily you know while the nurse is off or the maid is off fetching her shoes she uh she can't resist this beautiful gem yeah. ring uh, on this dead lady's finger and she um she takes it <laughs> she she snatches it she snatches it all right you know and then sticks it in her bra uh, and then covers up her hand with the other hand so no one will be the wiser um yeah, she puts the shoes on and she uh, she scattles, you know, she's done with the job, goes home. 
Back to her apartment. Immediately after the ring is removed, this like huge strawberry fly lands on this woman's ring finger. Like exorcist style. Is that what kind of fly it is? I've never heard of a strawberry fly. I was like, what kind of fly is this? Is strawberry fly or horse fly? That might be the same kind of fly. I thought it was a horse fly or something. Yeah, it kept landing where the ring was on the old lady. (laughs) Just like that's the, is that not a sign there? Yeah, yeah. And I guess the pretty soon after the drips start too, right? What do they start when she's at that house? Yeah, yeah, when she spilled the ring, she knocked over a glass of something, and that's when the drips start. Oh, the drip right. is like pinging against this metal bowl, and the drips of water start. And then she, when we when she gets back to her house, ring still on her person, she uh, gets <clears throat> ready for the night. She gets all bedded in, and uh, you know the drips start. The same exact drip start yep. and a very distinct sound. She hunts out every source of water in the mm-hmm. apartment, turns the, the faucets tight to stop the drips. And that pesky fly. The flies came back. back too. Flies back. I guess it followed yeah. her. <laughs> the one fly. <laughs> She's trying to sw- swat this fly. <laughs> Things just ramp up, you know? I mean, this is like, obviously, it's, you know, it's like the telltale heart type of thing the uh dripping at some point she goes to turn the last faucet off then she glances back at her bed and there is the corpse of the woman in the woman's face and i just got chills thinking about this (laughs) thinking about the dead woman's eyes yeah and how they were they were open again like that back at the uh the mansion like there were eyes that were closed but the eyes opened back up again and stuff like that so this uh, this corpse oh. is in the bed, and then it uh, it rises and floats toward her. I mean, the face and the lighting is just yeah. magic. It is spine tingling. Yeah, I can't stress enough how odd it is because it looks like you could look at it and laugh. Like you could be like, "This looks stupid," but it really works. Like. You know, I can't I can't help but think it's like a lot of the lighting and the, the way they set up the shots. And like she's obviously like the ghost is on a dolly like <laughs> yeah. moving across the floor, you know. Right. But it's amazing. Yeah, it, it's it's horrifying. It is. It's horrifying. It works so well. It's so horrifying. This uh this woman's eyes are open, uh her weird jokery smile. It's it's Ugh. disturbing. She's coming at her. Yeah, she's She's going to get that She's coming at her. And so this nurse eventually drops to her knees. Eventually, um, the woman, the, the ghost's apparition is right up on top of her. And the woman just starts strangling herself yeah. to death. And that's how she dies. Yeah. Yeah. She, she puts both her hands on that throat and squeezes. Yeah. I was like, that's great. She strangles herself to I death? know, right? <laughs> there's nothing. I don't know. If there's, any, there's nothing worse. The ghost couldn't have done anything more horrifying than what she did to herself. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I love the idea of you being so scared that you could strangle yeah. yourself to death. It's <laughs> awesome. Just to make it go away. <laughs> Cut to the next day when a neighbor let the police in. Um, and she's kind of running down like, yeah, we heard her screaming. We were trying to get in. Finally, we did. And I found her dead. And the detectives are looking around the scene. They notice like a chunk of flesh out of her ring. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the detective makes a notice like, oh, there was, it looks like there was a ring here or something like that. Yeah. 
It's like someone might have like wrenched this off the body. And we we cut to the the neighbor's face, and she's like, look, eyes darting around, getting uncomfortable. <laughs> we and you hear the did. fly buzzing sound again. It's oh my yes, it was my favorite of the three because of just the the presence that this dead woman yeah. had. I mean, she just had a presence. Yeah, she was a character, a lifeless character all by herself. And then the whole movie <laughs> wraps up where we cut back. To one of the coolest shots from the Vertilic of Gorka, Boris Karloff riding on a fake horse with this, you know, great color behind him, you know, running, going through the forest and it, but the camera pulls back and you see him on this fake horse and he's like, he's like getting all goofy, right? It is like, <laughs> like deleted scenes <laughs> before there were deleted yeah. scenes in movies. And it keeps pulling back. So he starts like, he, you know, he's out of character. He's into Boris land and being saying goofy shit. And then, and then we see the camera crew, and then we see guys holding like tree branches running in circles around the camera. So it looks like he's going through a forest. We see the guy moving the fake horse up and yeah, down on the fake horse back that you that you would have totally yeah. believed was a real horse, if not, uh, you know, for the full yeah. pullback frame. And then there's. You know, like a rotoscope of clouds, like, so it could, like, the shadows of the clouds could go across his face. And, uh... Everybody's, like, clapping at the end. Like, they just pulled off this shot of the century. (laughs) It was crazy. It was great. But it, I mean, it was just, like, it brought a little, uh, I don't know, brought a little something extra to the, the film. I think that's uh, that's the only thing that like turns me off about it is that it feels like a just mm. kidding moment, mm-hmm. you know? I could see that. We just told these like three really affecting stories <laughs> and then it's like, Ugh. you know, slide whistle comes out and honking. But it was also funny. <laughs> well, we did it, Dale. Mario Bava's Black Sabbath. How do you, yeah, how do you feel? I don't want to sound like this person who doesn't put any faith in older movies and its storytelling, but I was just... I'm just completely impressed by the fact that it's a, a you know 1963 anthology movie. You know, I was really impressed, like at how affecting each story was, and, and yeah, and how yeah, and yeah, for a movie from the early 60s, like I was genuinely yes. creeped out by a lot of it. Like it was, and, and what what I what I compared it to when I was just done watching it was how affected I was. It was a night a movie from 1963, and it's not, and it's an anthology movie that doesn't involve like you know, uh, kids poisoning their principal until he pukes up his entire stomach contents for, like that <laughs> Tales from Halloween movie, which I really like that Tales from Halloween yeah. movie, but just, you know, the graphic storytelling that that, that that movie and that story alone provides is just a different kind of level than what the storytelling was in this three anthology series that, that affects people, you know, in, in still the spooky sense, but it's not like graphic human throwing up their life until they die you know and i think i also appreciated that it wasn't like it it wasn't like the twilight zone or ec comics thing where it's like you know every story ends with the twist and the reveal you know there wasn't really that type of thing it was good and now's the segment of our show where we read your letters and listen to your voicemails Live on the show. 
Oh, boy. Um, and you can always send us letters or send us your voicemails, uh, batandspiderpod at gmail.com. We have a phone number, 315-544-0966. And you can leave a voicemail just like this person did right here. Hey, guys. Loving the new podcast. Um, I really, really enjoy that it's just you two not being blowhards or super horror nerds about it, but actually just watching movies and enjoying them, which is great. I like to listen to that. Um, and yeah, it's a nice um, little detour away from what's going on in the world, listening to a couple of couple of folks talk about good movies. Uh, loved uh, both episodes so far. Tetsuo was really great. Uh, if you're still kind of on a Tetsuo kick, and uh, you guys mentioned Nine Inch Nails, if you haven't in a while or never have seen the Happiness and Slavery video that um, Trent did with super masochist uh, Bob Flanagan, I really recommend checking that out. Any of those uh, videos that uh, Nine Inch Nails did around that time are really intense and really good. So, But, yeah, thanks for thanks for everything. Feel free to call me. I wouldn't mind you guys bringing me up one time like you guys mentioned on the podcast. Um <laughs> Again, name's Corey, and phone number. I'm furloughed, so I got some free time. Jeez. Keep punching, guys. I know Corey. Corey is a, um, he's a comic book lover, so I know him from the circuit. You might have actually met him at uh, Heroes Con last year. And, yeah, you guys were both in attendance there. Um, yeah, Corey's a great guy. He's um, uh, Thank you so much for uh, uh, sending in a voicemail. That rules, man. Um, and Nine Inch Nails. I, yeah, I know there's like, I was telling someone about this. There's something, it might be this video you're talking about. They shot this video that the footage, some of the, they, they shot a scene of Trent Reznor like killing himself or something. And it was like the camera was in a balloon. I think it floated away oh, <laughs> and they couldn't find it. And so this footage was found by like these people and they thought it was like a snuff film and they like reported to the FBI Whoa. and the police and. It was kind of an open investigation for years until like finally, like I think someone saw the video on TV or something who had seen, I think they released maybe stills or something um, like local news did to like help try and find out where this video came from. And yeah, they finally tracked down Trent and you know, yeah. he explained the situation. <laughs> <laughs> and to circle around, I was reading about the later Tetsuo movie. So this second Tetsuo movie, Nine Inch Nails do the closing Whoa. credits. So there is some actual crossover there. So yeah, I'm sure they were influenced. Crap, each other that just somewhere. blew my mind, Chuck. Thanks, Corey. Love you, man. I hope you're doing all right. Thanks for listening. Um, and yeah, we'll keep doing this. Yeah, Corey, that's, we really appreciate the call. Thank you for calling and taking some time out to uh, let us know you love the show. As soon as we figure out how to call you, Bat and Spider will be calling you. Just as an aside, Corey, uh, the Google Voice translation I read a few times <laughs> before I actually played your uh, message, and uh, I'm just going to read the first couple sentences because, uh, hey guys, loving the new <laughs> podcast. I really, really enjoyed that. It's just you two not being blowhards or super, super horny toads about it. <laughs> Old Bat and Spider, <laughs> the horny toads, they call us. Uh that's us. We have a letter. Somebody wrote in uh, an email, and we appreciate your emails, batandspiderpod at gmail.com. 
This name I recognize as a blast from the past, um, back to the paper keg days of me, Slim, and Jonesy Love His Beer. Mr. Joel oh, Nieto oh, oh. at Hype to Teach on the social media. Hey, Chuck, big fan. I was wondering why editing a podcast took your co-host so long. He said it took him nine days <laughs> and was wondering how you felt about <laughs> such a slow turnaround. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I love Mr. Underscore A, but I was genuinely, genuinely curious as to Big Daddy Dale's creative process. Keep it up, boys. You're doing the Lord's work, which apparently means watching disturbing, horny metal men v- movies so the rest of us don't have to. Long live PK, mm. the one and only at Hype to Teach. At Hype to Teach on uh, Instagram is a, is a treat. Uh, he posts a lot of different kinds of videos on there. It's a, it's a joy to experience. And when um, I'm reminded of his presence with his trolling ass emails, this is my house, Hype <laughs> to Teach. <laughs> no. Chuck, wow, we right in under the wire as we're about to wrap things up. We just got another email. Amazing. Who from? From friend of the show, Anna Ghoul. And uh, I'm sure you know Anna Ghoul, who follows you on social media, and their taste is impeccable, I yeah. might say. Noted uh, horror movie buff, I'd say. They sent in an email, and the email reads, Hey guys, first time, long time, love the show. Iconic theme and artwork. Yes, I agree Thank with you. that. And this is Dale Underscore speaking. Um, <laughs> excited to hear your thoughts on Bava. According to Letterboxd, I watched Black Sabbath a couple of years ago, but I don't remember much about it. Isn't Boris like a demon or something in one of the stories? Those colors, though, am I right? Good night. Bava's movies are delightful to look at. Mm-hmm. Stoked y'all did back-to-back Italian features so early. As a country, they really pushed out some A-plus movies in the 70s and 80s. Argento, Bava, Fulci, Lenzi, Mattei, Fragasso, Drudi. Chef's kisses all around. Oh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thanks so much for the show. Keep up the great work. Love, Anna. P.S. If you're looking for some tangent- tangentially Bava-related schlock recos, his son Lamberto directed Demons and Demons 2 in the 80s, and they're a lot of fun. Not good, but super dumb and gory <laughs> with heavy metal soundtracks. Joe Bob showed the first one, I think, during his first block on Shudder. Oh wow! Yes, I think you're right about that. Did you did you do you remember checking that one out? No, that's one of the ones I missed. Uh, that might have been yeah. like mid season. I I dropped off early in the season last sure, yeah. season. It's hard. It's like a six hour show, a Joe Bob thing, right? <laughs> yeah, it is, and it's on it's all on demand. But you know, if it's if you're yeah. not watching live, I, I tend to forget it, to watch it. Yeah, there's a magic to watching it, like when it's airing. That you know, mm-hmm. the excitement is there. Uh, what a great email. Anna, thank you so much. Yeah, that's um, really nice. Thank you for sending that. Yeah, and they're right. Uh, I mean, the colors that Baba gets, I mean, we talked about it. It's it's just awesome. It makes me really want to really want to start watching his whole catalog and stuff and seeing mm-hmm. what else he did, you know. I know Black Sunday, I think he did that before this. And I think that I read that's kind of why they titled it Black Sabbath to tie it into that movie because I guess that was a pretty successful thing for him yeah there's so much and there's so much italian cinema uh especially horror stuff that um you know i've only seen bits and pieces i think i've seen like one fulci movie and you know a handful of argento um mm-hmm. but gosh yeah there's so much it's it's exciting exciting to have this outlet to uh explore deeper 
into this stuff with you. If you really want to explore more of the Italian titles, you're going to have to check out Chuck and my uh, other podcast, Ragno Pipistrello, which of course is our Italian only uh, horror podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Can we make that happen? <laughs> Can we get your mother-in-law to help us with the translation or or maybe we can get some sort of software to like just like take our voices and <laughs> and obviously some you know somebody who can speak a fluent italian yes. not our janked up yeah send us to the bathroom italian yeah uh thanks for that email on it cool so what now what do we have left my pick this week um let me in and i looked into it i peeked into it and i'm scared to watch it to make us watch it because I think this is going to be the first time we really, really test ourselves by watching a, a very, very, very low-rent horror movie. <laughs> but I was yeah. thinking the same thing. <laughs> Eventually, that levy was going to break. I don't want to. I don't want to say we've yeah. sort of kept it highbrow, but you know, we kind of have. I we've gotten pretty lucky. I I wasn't sure what to expect even out of the Driller Killer. Like I thought that might that was going to be you know, eh. boring or really bad uh but yeah we've been pretty uh <laughs> we've been blessed these first four episodes i have to say so in the spirit of always wanting things to end badly as they do in horror movies i am picking the movie video violence for our pick next week and i know next to nothing about this i learned about it i think a couple weeks ago i saw the box art and i said it's from 1987, so it was on VHS. I saw the box art of a of a bloody hand putting a tape into an old Panasonic VCR, and I was like, oh, I'm going to add that to the list. Video Violence, 1987, directed by Gary Cohen. Could this happen at your video store? A husband and wife open a video store in a new town and come to find out that the locals only rent horror movies, horror films, and the occasional triple Xer and make their own snuff videos. Ew. Ugh. <laughs> I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's about to get raw in, in here at Bat and Spider, yeah. finally. I mean, this is what, right? This is what everybody's and been expecting. And yeah. This is this is what, yeah. This is like the real deal. Uh like I I peeked at it and it's actually shot on video too. Like it looks wow. yeah. I I we can get we'll get into it next week, but so, until next week, episode five, um, video violence. Thank you for listening to Bat and Spider. Our theme song was created by Toby Forsman of Whipsong Music. Find out more at whipsongmusic.com.